Good afternoon and welcome to the Healthy Indoors Live Show. I'm your host, Bob Krell. I'm the founder and publisher of Healthy Indoors Magazine. And hey, thanks for joining us today. We've got a special show coming up. I'm super excited. I'll be joined today uh, as a guest by our managing editor, uh, Susan Valenti. She's the, uh, She's been involved with Healthy Indoors since the beginning. And uh, we're going to have a really interesting discussion on kind of the state of indoor environmental quality, indoor air quality uh, in the industry right now. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, hey, you know, guess what? It's uh, just to remind you again, it is our ninth birthday with Healthy Indoors magazine. So uh, we turned nine this month, which is a crazy landmark. I don't know how that actually happened. Uh, but here we are. You know, it went pretty fast. Um, Again, you can get, if you don't currently uh, subscribe to Healthy Indoors Magazine, you can get a copy of uh, that uh, email to you every month by going to healthyindoors.com, our uh, primary website, and you can uh, click on the subscription link there. Or if you're... You, you happen to be watching the show today on the Healthy Indoors Online Global Community, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, we also, you can access uh, the magazine and all the back issues there uh, right in the Healthy Indoors Magazine portal, which is pretty cool. But hey, you know what? That's all the free stuff you can do at, at uh, the online global community. Uh, it's open to the world as far as all our shows, uh, broadcasts, uh, magazines, all of our publications. Uh, but there's so much more if you actually become a member of the magazine. Uh, we're launching uh, for all of our uh, members of uh, the Healthy Indoors uh, online global community, we're starting what we're calling the AMAs, the Ask Me Anything sessions with industry experts. And we're uh, starting off next week, next Tuesday, uh, with an Ask Me Anything with Cole Stanton talking about restoration and mitigation uh, chemistry. So it's all all the things that you always probably want to ask about the chemicals that we use in this industry for restoration work, mold remediation, on and on. Uh, Cole's been uh, really a prominent expert in this expert in this industry for over 27 years. So super exciting. Uh, join us. It's going to be live next Tuesday here on the community from 1 to 2 p.m. Uh, we'd like you to submit questions in advance. So uh, we'll tell you more about that later and how you can submit your questions for that event. Hey, but if you want to join that event, you got to be a member of the community. So go to healthyindoors.global, and that's how you can actually sign up and become a member of the community. We'll be offering these Ask Me Anythings uh, on a monthly basis, along with a lot of other premium content that you can get uh, from the magazine and, and you know, and uh, excuse me, from the community. Why did I say that? Anyway, uh, that being said, I think it's high time that I uh, stop uh, stuttering here and bring in uh, my co-host for today's show, uh, Susan Valenti. How are you? Hi, Bob. I was, I long was time no see. Yeah, long long time. It's been so long. Um, so Susan Susan was uh, really back here in the beginning, the early days. And uh, he, here we are. Like which well, early I mean, days are you talking about? You know, th see that's. You know, I, I, I'm like, was that the 1992 early days? I was going to say, yeah, we do need to qualify the, that. Or the 2013 early days. Yeah, well, okay. So I guess I was initially referring to the 2013 early days of Healthy Indoors. Uh, but of course, the early days go a lot further back than uh, Healthy Indoors, right? Yeah. 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 Susan, for those of you who don't remember, you know, I guess they're, well, some of you may not be old enough to remember because we've been around <laughs> so freaking long. Uh, many of you weren't born when we started in the industry. Yeah. Uh, that's horrible, but true. Uh, Susan was uh, the publisher of the first big uh, industry publication in this industry, Indoor Air Review, right? Yes. That's what it's called, Indoor Air Review. It was Indoor, it was indoor Air Review, and then it changed to Indoor Environment Review. And then we did, God, 
like lead detection and abatement contractor. We did lead poisoning report. We did, you know, we did a building air review. We did like a lot of things back then. Yeah. You know, and then uh, you liked it so much later on, you, you uh, bought the publication and rebranded it. Oh, of. well, 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 we it was, it was well, a new publication, right? Well, well, yeah, we actually went out and we just started a new publication. We didn't buy it. Oh, well. Because it was too expensive, remember? <laughs> Oddly enough, though, I was able to acquire the URL for for all, all of the yeah, uh, IQ yeah. pubs and everything. Because they, yeah, they, were, they were available. And I felt as a tribute to uh, the, that co-founder of that organization, uh, Larry Siegelman, who, honest to God, was one of my mentors early in the industry. I felt that I had to have that. I, I had to have that moniker, at least own it, just because that's kind of where I got my start, too. So small world. It is. It is. So, you know, to that end, uh, let's talk a little bit more about um, today's uh, program and what we're going to be doing on it, uh, which the obviously the topic for today is what in the world is going on with IEQ, IAQ? Yeah. Susan and I have been discussing this a lot for the magazine lately for upcoming articles, but it, it, it hastens me back to uh, the original cover story on the first issue of healthy indoors magazine be nice if i actually brought it up full screen yeah uh, what in the world happened to iaq yeah which so, like which yeah like five minutes ago i said gosh that, that looks exactly like what we did nine years ago minus the uh minus the the mask yeah so that's the, i mean in a way that's kind of strange right that we're you know we're um <sighs> still talking about this we're still talking about it what the hell's going on why well why <laughs> well well you know let's like go back to 1999 when we were talking about you know is there an industry or not an industry okay you know and you know and is it you know is it an industry or is it just a bunch of silos that you know that actually work on indoor is that quality? mutually ex ex exclusive though i mean can it can't the industry be a bunch of silos well, who controls the industry? Oh, boy. Who controls? Well, purportedly, uh, any number of groups will tell you that they, they do. So, so which one is, so which one's right? <laughs> so who's, who's in charge this right? week? Who's in uh, charge this week? I, I don't, you know. No, but that's, you know, but that's actually a great question that actually came up um, in Carl Grimes' column, you know, in the, in, in this month's issue. Um, you know, he actually, you know, he actually was at, um, building science summer camp, um, in, um, in Westford here in Massachusetts. Um, you know, Joe Steebrook puts it on every, every year, um, uh, at the beginning of August. And he actually, like, he actually asked around, you know, like what, you know, who's, you know, who's who now, you know, what is, you know, you know, like what are all of these, um, industry groups doing what do they offer their members and um, and for and for Carl who's again been around for just as long as we have um, you know it longer was actually he's he's old as dirt well well he's older but he, you know but you know you know but I, you know, I mean but I will say that like you know Carl came on you know very early on when I was you know when mm -hmm. I was you know um, working on things, um, you know, on indoor air review 
And he was like, you know, what should I do? What should I join? And I, you know, and I said, join everything. And oh, as far as organizations. Yeah. And, and, and by God, he did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but now, but now you, you can tell like, um, you know, Carl's kind of been through the ringer with a lot of these groups because, you know, you know, they didn't, you know, they didn't, they haven't done exactly what they advertise that they're going to do in terms of membership. Well, well, that I mean, that in of itself is, you know, that that's an interesting point, you know, because things have changed, right? You know, post-pandemic ha- has the, uh, yeah, how, how do these organizations, and there's a bunch of them, there's, there's ones that are bonafide trade associations, right, that are incorporated as trade associations. There's some that are just not-for-profits that are operating for advocacy, you know, the, the still, there's different types of membership groups out there. There's some non-membership groups that, that are just certifying bodies. Uh, you know, how, how do they, re- how do they remain relevant in today's market? We, we were, we were having that discussion, uh, actually two days ago, right? I, how do they, I mean, things have ago, changed two weeks ago. Yeah. It's well, you think about it, you know, constant. I mean, years, years ago, right. Um, you know, conferences were like, you know, the end all thing. You, you, these organizations had these national conferences so that you could, uh, you know, everybody gets together and that's how, that's how they, uh, were able to, uh, you know, network and, you know, learn educational stuff. This, you know, we're talking pre-internet, right? Uh, yeah. so that it made total sense, but like now, you know, it's, it, we are in a little bit of a different paradigm now, perhaps I would think. Right. I mean, a little bit. A little bit, you know, what was interesting, like, um, let's just take Indoor Air Quality Association. I mean, like for the, you know, really for the first time in a very long time, they actually had, um, you know, their new president, Lisa Rogers, like do a, you know, you know, get interviewed for, um, you know, for a, for a consumer story. Um, you know, that hasn't happened for like decades. Um you know, and it, and it certainly didn't happen during the pandemic when, when really, you know, like we thought, you know, um, you know, industry groups, you know, practitioners were really going to be out there, um, you know, kind of like, you know, like pushing the message. All right. You know, like if, you know, if like researchers and academia are out there pushing, yeah, COVID, COVID is airborne, you know, you and I thought that, um, you know, that these groups were going to be pushing, Hey, like we're the practitioners that can help you, you know, you know, clean up your indoor air. Um, and like we didn't see anything out there in the consumer market from practitioners. You know, and that and that's true. What we saw was a lot, a lot of tweets, a lot of stuff coming from academia, researchers. Right? Yep, a ton of that, right? I mean, the researchers were, you know, they were. Every, apparent everywhere i mean and that's i think there was more tweeting going on during the pandemic with these guys than i'd ever seen before um but you're right yeah where are the practitioners the guys that actually and when i say guys the individuals you know sorry you know yeah there's there's actually actually a lot of women out there now i know well there are in the in the industry well i mean there's 51 percent of the population are female so you would think that there should be a representative portion somewhere near that in the industry which is another comment that we can get into later. Okay. Uh, so I'm not I sure won't. that's the case. But so, but why weren't the practitioners present? What, um. Well, we still do don't think? know. Why? Um. You know, I don't. You know, I think that they were just. 
out there like in the in the real world just trying to make money actually okay you know? i mean I that's mean, that that partially. was my i mean that's that's my was my thing i mean you certainly weren't just sit, sitting at home um you know not working i don't think right many were many were out doing you know like the ones that do services providing services yeah. they were going out they were going I mean, out like, and sterilizing buildings for no freaking reason but you know that's another story <laughs> don't get me started on that shit because that 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 was just oh, so, like, you know so let's go so, let's go fog every part of the indoor environment to get rid so of so for you food. you know so for you every time you saw a picture of someone in a tyvek suit with like a with like with like a sprayer doing like hygiene theater that was a that was a practitioner well, yeah. Well, who was it? Well, I mean, I guess it could have been people dressed up to appear to be practitioners. I mean, I don't, I don't. I mean, well, I mean, they were they were some of the practitioners. I'm not saying all okay. the practitioners in the industry are bad. I'm one of them. I mean, I, that would be pretty self incriminating. Uh, but I, I I never did understand that. Like initially, you know. Well, that yeah. Where 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 were they? I. It's a, but it's a good question, you know, and it's a question that we really haven't got a good answer. Yeah, you know, no, I, you, you know, and we were asking that question last summer when, um, you know, when we when we got involved with the, um, you know, with the Healthy Buildings, um, you know, ISIAC conference, um, you know, that was, you know, you know, that was a conference that you know wanted again to bring research to practice one it's you know um you really you know really kind of like put their um money where their mouth was you know to get practitioners to come and to learn about you know what's the latest research um and you know and then you know we asked the question well you know like where are you know you know where are the practitioners out there actually speaking you know actually talking about this stuff and you know, and again, no one really had a great answer for us. Well, and the problem is, there's you know, there's been this forever, you know, the research to practice, and we you know we have to global research to practice, and you know, various incarnations of that phrase, or it have been you know we we hear them all the time, and but is is there any are they anything other than just marketing things you know or at least have they proven to be anything other than just marketing things thus far i guess is is a fair you know it's not to say that there isn't some intent to try to have cross pollinate uh, pollinization that's the word i was looking for but it doesn't does it really happen right well it, well it happens on the marketing end um, <laughs> okay but um, I mean, if you like, you know, if you take a gander at, you know, what's going on in Instagram or TikTok, I mean, you know, there is there's not a day that goes by that, you know, a company isn't, you know, trying to explain what's, uh, you know, you know, you know, what does HEPA mean? What does, you know, what does indoor air quality mean? Okay. You know, you know, like how does, you know, you know, how does mold relate to indoor air quality? Um you know, I mean, the, I mean, those are practitioners, right? Um, you know, but like, you know, you know, you know, but again, you know, I wonder, you know, where are all the practitioners um, in relation to all the researchers um, out there, you know, talking about their message? You know, I mean, like, you know, I mean, for example, 
um, John Hopkins University is doing a um, doing a conference on September eighth. September eighth. Everyone. It looks like everyone's doing a conference on September eighth. And, you know, and like, you know, it's like, you know, it's this, you know, national strategy for improving indoor air quality. And, you know, and like you look at that speaker list and it's all um, and there's, you know, and there's no practitioners there. Mm -hmm. uh, There are there there. I mean, there are there's two companies that do, um, you know, that do products. Um, No one's you know, no one's on that. Um, agenda, you know, doing practice, mm-hmm. um, you know, like we, you know, like, like, you know, like, you know, again, like Carl says, you know, you know, like where are the, you know, where are the field practitioners? Mm-hmm. There's no field practitioners on that agenda. So like, so you have a conference that is essentially, you know, trying to set the strategy, try to set the agenda for improving indoor air quality, you know, from the top, from you know from the white house you know because they have a they have a representative from the white house coming sure and um where are the practitioners you know again i mean you know you know whenever i see joe and joe allen's name and i love joe allen he is such an amazing spokesperson for this um you know for this field um i don't think joe allen's going to come to your house and fix your into air quality problem. Right. Okay. You know, I don't yeah, see, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't see, um, you know, like the speakers on the agenda coming to your house to, you know, to fix your problem. So, right. you know, so again, where are the practitioners who are supposed to be coming out there and, um, and, and fixing your into air quality problem or your mold problem or whatever other issue you have? Where are those people in relation to the people that are now trying to set standards or trying to set policy? Um, you know, kind of missing in action. And and again, the practitioner, you know, the term practitioner is kind of a broad term, right? Because it's it encompasses all all of the uh, service providers, companies that actually do services, come in and do remediation, mitigation, uh, abatement, um, as well as all the consultants, right? that come in and do the do the front end assessments back end uh, clearances the the testing the uh you know i mean and i guess you could really say that the other side of practitioners are also the the laboratories right that provide the analytical yeah. services um and, and really the supply side right the supply chain the companies that that make the products materials uh you know the chemicals the equipment uh, it's all that's all the practitioner side would you agree Definitely. Yeah, yeah. You know, but like, you know, you know, you know, but again, I mean, you know, while I, you know, like applaud and appreciate the fact that, you know, we're actually again, you know, you know, because this happened back in the early nineties where, you know, where like environmental tobacco smoke was like a huge thing. And like, and that was the quote unquote, you know, like, like indoor air quality issue, you know, let's just like, you know, let's just solve secondhand smoke, you know, you know, you know, and that was considered like, you know, the IAQ standard or the, you know, all right, you know, you know, let's how to, you know, you know, like, you know, let's improve into air quality. Let's get rid of, let's just get rid of the secondhand smoke. Now it's like clearly much, a much bigger issue than just secondhand smoke, which for, for, mo- for most, of, you know, for most 
you know, places and states globally, that's, that's, it's pretty much gone. Okay. Um, but that's interesting because you, you broached that too, because in 92, right. Or in the early nineties, the tobacco industry was funding most of the indoor air quality related research other than ETS, right. Environmental yeah. tobacco smoke. In fact, yeah. that was the caveat when they would give millions of dollars for researches, search everything else, fiberglass, look at, you know, look at everything else, every oh, other yeah. possible thing that could be a problem in the indoor environment. So let's face it. A lot of our early research was funded by the tobacco industry for this. Yeah. Industry. Well, I don't think that's the case anymore. <laughs> well, um, no, no. But know, I mean, but it was, I mean, it, it you know, it, it, what a, what a weird scenario. It is. You know, it's basically, I mean, basically the intent was, oh yeah, the air's bad. Look over there. They're causing it. You know, it's like, it's the, uh, the, uh, what about at its finest maybe. Yeah. But like you, but, but again, I mean, I just thought back in the early nineties, I mean, you did get like, you know, like, you know, the, the, you know, I mean, NACA was like part of things, you know, you know, IICRC, you know, um, you know, RIA, um, you know, and even like, you know, even, you know, IQA was, you know, I mean, not in the early nineties, you know, because it was, didn't exist, but like in like, you know, kind of towards the two thousands, mm -hmm. you know, you know, they were, you know, you know, they were involved in government stuff and like, you know, and, um, you know, and in like being asked their opinion about research and so forth. You know, and, you know, and again, I just, you know, I just wonder why, you know, you know, like the, you know, like industry groups are now almost like a, like a tier two, a tier three, you know, ask. Um, yeah, but we, I, I would argue that the industry groups, with the exception of the big players like the ashrays of the world, you know, that, that have a lot of clout weren't really invited to the table. I mean, you speak to NADCA, I was the one that actually ran the NADCA research yeah. with EPA and, uh, uh, Tim Aber and I actually were, were involved with that heavily. And we didn't get, we got invited to the table because we were noisy. I mean, we, we actually, we were like the, that little dog nipping at your heels all the time. We kept annoying EPA to the point where they decided that they, you know, they would give us a seat at the table and let us talk to them. You know, but there was persistence. I mean, it didn't happen just by chance. No, but I, I don't, but... I don't know if that initiative happens anymore. I mean, do you, is that really happening? Um, Probably, I, I mean, I don't see it. Do you see it out there? Not, not heavily. You know, I mean, I, I mean, see like everybody I talking see, about it. You know, you know, you know. Again, I mean, you know, I mean, for me, I am like a student of history, mm -hmm. and unfortunately, I'm like a student of IAQ history. You know, so you know, True. so for me, so for me, like I want to see like things today, and you know, in in twenty twenty two to you know to have progressed from from 1994 okay i'm like i want to be able to like to have people like you know show me like the 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 actual timeline of like you know where they were where they are now okay i okay. don't want to like you know i don't want to see you know the fact that in 2022 you know, like we're, you know, I mean, we're basically making this up as we go. Well, along. we're relitigating the whole story. I mean, but why? 
But why? Because I mean, people like, have a short freaking memory. I think okay. is part of it. Just look at this. But just the story is already told. Yeah, I mean, the but story people, is out there. Yeah. Okay. But no, nobody pays attention. We're all about, you know. I mean, especially now, we're a very short attention span type society. I'm talking mainly the United States here, but it's probably true for the entire planet. But especially in the United States, everything's very short. You know, like so nobody nobody goes back and you know and and reviews history that much except for maybe the the few historians in the world you you being one of the IEQ historians i would actually consider you to you might be like the historian of the industry you're right up there you're one of them because you follow i mean the thing is think about it from a journalistic standpoint you followed the industry from its infant stages in the early 90s to today which is not all the industry, right? I mean, there was industry preceding the 90s. So, you know, there was some. And, you know, but I mean, you have a pretty good window of the formative years of indoor air quality. Agreed? Yes, I would okay. agree with that. But yeah. like, you know, you know, you know, but again, I mean, I would, you know, I would suspect everyone would have that kind of history or like want that kind of history so that they can, um, you know, that now in 2022 that they can get their, um, their standards and their strategies, like, you know, done quickly. Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, there, I think there's this this tendency to reinvent the wheel for some reason. Well, is that is that is that to just create relevance for yourself that you you know you're you're coming up supposedly with something new? Well, there's nothing new about well, any of this, right? No. You know, really. I mean, people want. I mean, people want to say, you know, oh, look at this product. This is brand new, and you're like, well, it's it's new because it has a new name, but the but the technology is still from, you know, like you know, I mean, you can actually trace it back decades. You know, it's just a better version of what what came before. Yeah, is it a better version? You know, or or is it not a better version? You know, I mean. It, that that, ra that raises that interesting concept, right? Right. There's always stuff being introduced, right? The new, latest, greatest. Everybody's looking. Every well, fr from an investigative side, everybody wants the tricorder from Star Trek, so you can just flip it and go beep beep beep, and you know the air is good, and do all the analysis with one little device. You know, within ten seconds, they know whether they need oxygen packs or whatever. You know, they know the air is good. So everybody wants that on the consulting side, and everybody wants the magic potion that they can apply to the indoor environment whether they spray it fog it spit it you know drop it i don't know what you know whatever that that's going to just fix all the indoor air quality problems and we, it, okay let's go back to your to last week's show all right okay and like and you had oh you the, had, i'm short attention span what do we do on last week <laughs> you had um you had claire barnett oh yeah and, the school um, the school show talking talking about schools and um, and at the very end, she talked about the lack of a knowledge database, like a like lack of a knowledge base, like an archive where yeah. you can readily get yeah. to it. Yes, okay. and um, which again, you know, sparked my ears. I was like, "Ooh, knowledge base!" All right, and you know, this is something that you know Carl Grimes has brought up before too. Is that all right? Where's the knowledge base? And then. And then two, who, you know, who should like, you know, who should be the owner of that? You know, who should like, 
you know um the owner or the caretaker i mean I don't own the, it. you know what the caretaker that's that you know that that's a better world you know word for it it, it, so, know, it sounds it sounds better well you know like for me like i'm all about like who controls what you right, know right. what you know what aspect of you know of things um and you know and that was that was a great question of you know what what claire brought up is like you know who who has this knowledge base and you know and who you know and who caretakes it okay and i asked that question you know i mean you know let's just look at schools and like and all the stuff that's happened to schools over the last two years schools now suddenly have a ton of money to you know to put in like you know new ventilation systems some of them haven't put in new ventilation systems and filtration systems they've actually like um you know use more of like the money to say oh let's um you know let's get this great new product to like you know because this will actually solve our problems i'm not going to mention any names because that's like you know we've been talking about that for talk years. about litigating the past i don't want to get the future yeah <laughs> but like <laughs> but you know why is no one talking about like for example tools for schools right now in relation to schools and like you know and like what's the you know and what's the best bang for your dollar in terms of like you know um how like we've been talking about schools for decades you know you know in relation to tools for schools tools for schools was created so that so that schools didn't have to spend very much money or like really no money it was like it was a very, start it, it was designed to be a starting point give yes. them some some requisite prerequisite base. knowledge to be able to start well, it, well but again we're, we're talking about the knowledge base mm -hmm. that is a knowledge base for schools mm -hmm. all right and you know and granted epa doesn't throw any money towards that anymore but still where's tools for schools in relation to all of this you know now new money in relation to covid you know where you know again where is that knowledge base in relation to what's you know what's now out there you know and and again why you know why are schools being asked to now like you know think about ventilation and filtration and like new products and everything without like you know with again without that like knowledge base that like you know still hasn't got to like every single school in the u.s I mean, right i mean that that that's a, that's a valid point you know honestly susan i mean it's it, because most i would say most of the information in the tools for schools cat still relevant it's absolutely still i mean relevant. i mean there, there's some new stuff we're talking you know the pandemic created some new new stuff and some new wrinkles that we didn't talk about in schools uh, tools for schools back in the 90s uh and that was updated again a little i think it was updated in the early 2000s there was some the late, some modifications a little bit yeah. i think they changed some of the graphics that that's about it yeah. um but yeah i i, I it, it's strange but i mean it goes it goes back to the same thing we were just talking about as far as you know we got a short attention span. People don't, you know, they always want to, everybody wants to reinvent the wheel all the time instead of going back and, and learning off of past mistakes and past positive things. Right. And, and, and incorporating all the stuff that we did already. I mean, why do we have to relearn everything? Well, we have to relearn everything because 
we don't have a knowledge base. No one, you know, you know, no one's out there saying we are the caretaker of this knowledge. Um, you know, or you know, are we, you know, are we control this knowledge? Everyone needs this knowledge in order to get to the next step of indoor air quality. All right. So where is it? Is it like, you know, you know, you know, is it at a university somewhere? Um, you know, is it at Harvard? I mean, you know, cause, because again, mm. if that's where it is somewhere, someone has to be able to say Harvard is the caretaker of all of, of this knowledge base. Okay. And mm -hmm. like, you know, anything new you have, let's just add to that. Okay. Or is it, you know, or is it the knowledge base, you know, or does indoor air quality association, it, you know, it, you know, are they going to be the caretakers of this, of, of this knowledge base, you know, who knows, but like, you know, but again, but these are questions that, I mean, you know, at this point with all this money flowing around in terms of like, you know, the COVID money, you know, infrastructure money, these are, these are questions that you have to like throw out there and you have to ask and say, who, you know, where is it and who's, and who's caretaking it for, for you and who's like expanding it. Yeah. Okay. You know, and I, and I guess that's, yeah, that's, yeah. Okay. I mean, well, if you, well, if you want, you can disagree with me. But no, no, I, I'm not, I'm not just, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I, th I think, you know, I would argue that maybe we, you know, with, when we set out with, with this whole endeavor with Healthy Indoors, tried to do some of that and, and try to consolidate and bring some information into a central location. And, you know, but, you know, have we achieved that? Of course not. No, I mean, their stuff is so disjoint out there. Uh, but I mean, even even just within the individual silos, like you go to EPA's website, that's a tough place to find information if you're a consumer who doesn't really understand what you're looking for. You know, I mean, there's a lot of great information on the EPA site, but, you know, you kind of got to chop your way through it to find things. It's getting better. I mean, they've been modifying things over the years and it's better than it was a few years ago, but it's still, you know, information is not easy to find. And, and if you just go out and do a search on Google, now you're going to find all of the brand associated puffery marketing crap that's out there on every topic. So, you know, how do you decipher what's like legit? knowledge-based stuff and stuff that's just sales propaganda um all right i'll even like throw another oh boy blow your, blow your mind thing okay wrinkles there's a lot of wrinkles here there's yeah. a lot of wrinkles okay because even if you have a um you know a company or like a ceo of a company all right and they're out there like you know, educating the public about like, you know, and, you know, and all they're using is EPA stuff. Okay. All right. You know, and they're, you know, and they're just educating the public with like EPA, you know, IAQ stuff, lead stuff, asbestos stuff, mold stuff, whatever. Okay. Is that, you know, is that like snake oil or is that like real education? And I say that because you have like a for-profit company out there using the information, but they're, you know, but they're, I mean, they're obviously going to spin it, you know, towards their the, own company. But the degree of the spin is where 
it defines whether or not it's education versus snake oil. I, I think honestly, if you're if the organization's truly putting out educational material in an on you know relatively unbiased fashion, and then they offer some of their marketing stuff along with it, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, and that's not snake oil. I think the problem is is like when you start to take and appropriate some of this stuff that's maybe originally not biased toward a single product or technology and you try to make it sound like you know epa or you know x agency you know endorses this or recommends our methodology for doing this you know that that's that's where i think it starts to get real dicey um i mean like i come from like you know i'm like a journalist by trade i get that and you know, oh, was that so a slam? I, was that was that was that? No, no, no. But it, but it's just interesting <laughs> because, like, you know, I mean, I've like worked at like the some of the top newspapers, magazines in the in the country. All right, you know, and then all of a sudden, I got this little this little job at this boutique publishing firm doing mm-hmm. indoor air quality, and you know, you know, and. You know, and again, like maybe, you know, I mean, maybe it's because I like started when, you know, when I was like, what, 24, Six. 25, um, you know, you know, you know, and I like, and I, and, and I basically like, I mean, everyone told me like, again, when I was 25, um, I'm a lot older now, but like <laughs> for, since I've been 25, everyone is like touted the fact that the you know, the public needs to be educated about this. All right. We need to create consumer awareness, you know, and, you know, and again, I mean, I've like, I've taken that very personally, um, you know, over the last 30 years, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, and yet I still hear that. Like I still hear, Oh no, no, no. We just need to educate the, the public better. And I'm like, Yes. How can you do that without any bias? All right. There's well, okay. Well, that's a whole commentary on higher education. Maybe I mean, there's got there's some there's some inherent bias in anything you teach. Is there okay? Who's to say? All right. Who's to say like that? Like for example, like the White House is correct in that the fact that like. You know, HVAC contractors now, you know, are are there other people that should like do, you know, like do ventilation and filtration? Granted, they should, but like, you know, like who's well, going to be, who's going to be the caretaker that makes sure makes that that makes sure that happens in a in a in a correct, um, in a in a correct unbiased way that like that again consumers get the best ventilation and filtration out there. Okay. Um, well, I, I, that's that's a tough one because I mean, who's going to be the caretaker? The federal government? I mean, they're biased, you know. With our whole system, you know, there's lobbyists, you know, paying for everybody's elections and campaign financing. So, you know, it's obviously, the people with the most money buy the most influence, you know, in in our whole hierarchy of how we elect people, and then, I mean, even the organizations, right, within these larger organizations that represent the various sectors, you know, like you, you mentioned HVAC. So there's several organizations that are pretty prominent there just in the United States. And then globally, you've got other ones. And, and you know, so and they're all they're all going to spin it toward their constituency. Right. Yes. I mean, wouldn't you expect that? 
a little bit. I would expect it, but you know, but again, I just want to know who's who is the caretaker, and maybe that's you know, you know, I mean, maybe that's the big question. That's a good question. Who, who's the caretaker of all this information? Who's the one that like you know that makes sure that you know you know that the information is not skewed in such a way or biased in, a, in such a way? I mean, because again, I mean, you could say that. God, you could say any of this information is like has a bias towards it. Um, you know, I mean, you could say EPA information is biased just because Congress doesn't give, you know, EPA any money to like, you know, to basically, you know, like make sure the the information is like fully up to date. But I mean, EPA, so you, you mentioned EPA. EPA, when they do these guidance documents, lean on people from private sector. And organizations, sector, practitioners, because I've been, I was involved in helping them write one of those. Yep. So, you know, so, and I will say, you know, that while they try to, they try to curate and steward, you know, and get credible stuff, they lean on the outside for a lot of info. So a lot of the, a lot of stuff they, they publish is just stuff that really was, you know, was maybe leaned on a little by the people they were relying on. I'm trying yeah. to say that in the nicest way I can say it. <laughs> no, but like, you yeah. know, I mean, but even like, but even like ASHRAE, it's, I mean, those are consensus documents. Those sure. Are I like, mean, they go know, through a long process. Sure. Like, yeah. Um, no, I, you know, it, it, you know, I mean, well, again, who, I mean, who now, would you, okay, I, let me jump, let me go right to the point. Who would you advocate as the steward uh, or, you know, who should, who should be uh, the curator of, you know the gate. Who should be the gatekeeper? The gatekeeper. The freaking gatekeeper. Well, well, well. There's actually well. That's actually that, that. That means there's two people, right? There's a gatekeeper, and then there's a caretaker. Ah, ah. because the gatekeeper is more of more of the armed guard at the doorway. Yes. And the caretaker is the one who cleans the dust off. Or you know, or actually, you know, or or is, or is the one that Updates. actually. Updates, repaints the 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 finishes. You know, know, and actually, instead of a instead of a gatekeeper, maybe it should be a bouncer or somebody. You know, because it's like a club, and there should be a bouncer at the outside. You know, checking your IDs at the door. Bouncer, the 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 oh yeah okay. These are questions that keep me up at night after all (laughs) these these questions. Me too, though. Honestly, you know, uh, there, there's, there's a lot of questions. You know, you know, it's this was this is really a great format because we we've done shows like this in the past over the years. Joe and I did a a couple of these back, and you you and I did one I think like a year and a half ago. We don't do it frequently enough, though. You know, and and that's the thing. Like maybe we should. You know, or because because like. because we're asking a lot of questions. I don't, we don't have the answers and, but I think it's more important that we are our, you know, our, to our audience, I think is, is to at least pose the questions. Because I don't see like organizations asking these questions. You know, I don't see, you know, I don't, you know, you know, again, all I see like, you know, like social media wise is like, Hey, look at this. Like, you know, look at this. You know, like like squirrel, look over there. Right, right. Well, but, you know? but that's how, that's that that's the nature of the beast now, though. Everybody you know, is and, very you know, fragmented. and I'm like, you know, and I'm and I'm and I'm like listening to like celebrities say, "Hey, I had mold in my home," and 
this is what happened to me 20 years ago. And like, hey, now I'm an expert. And I'm like, you know what? Technically you are. But no, you're I, not. As an expert, you know, but that's the thing. Am I an expert because I've been doing this for 30 years? More, You're more of an expert than a lot of the ex- purported experts. I just want to make sure that that these quote unquote experts are like are are educating to like, you know, you know, with a curriculum. Right. You know, I mean, like you're out there like teaching kids. I mean, well, actually, that's a whole different like like thing. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like um, actually incorporating indoor environmental issues in into the, you know, curriculum or like or climate change issues or All of like. It. All of it, or like, or even engineering. I Some mean, like, people define all of that as indoctrination, though. Yes, except you know what? Except in my house, where like, like well, my you... kids are like, don't talk to me about indoor air quality. I don't really care about it. And I'm like, you know what? You are gonna learn this. And well, one way or another, you're gonna that you know, that, you know that. It's like saying, you know, I I really don't adhere to gravity. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, let's see how that works for you. <laughs> you know, you will do your capstone project on this. Yeah. Um, well, you're coming um, from an engineering household. It's, it's somewhat engineering based there, at least. Uh, yeah, you know, but, you know, but again, it's, you know, I mean, like, God, let's talk about engineering. I mean, like, you know, I mean, a, a lot of these researchers out there are like, are engineers. Right. You know, right. And like, where is the like, you know, and again, like, where's like the, where's the best practices? Where's that, where's the standards, standards of care that, that are out there for indoor quality engineering? Um, well, I mean, is there's not even really indoor air quality engineering, indoor environmental quality engineering. Is, is there even a curriculum where somebody can actually get a professional engineer's uh license uh for indoor environmental i I don't think that exists does it not really no right you you know because like you know i mean like like right now like dr richard corsi is like you know is actually teaching a um an indoor air quality class you know um but there's not a full-blown and you know like you don't have a degree based in that specifically like a mechanical engineer or an electrical engineer you're not an indoor environmental engineer yeah, no, no, I actually like, you know, and and again, I mean, I did my research, um, you know, like last year, like when like when my kid was trying was like trying to engineering schools, I was like, all right, where, you know, like, where can I find, you know, schools that have like something related to indoor air quality? Um, but, you know, but there's, there's, you know, there's trying to be classes on it. Mm-hmm. But not, you know, I mean, but there's no like minors in it. There's no mm-hmm. I mean, there's not really a lot of you know, I mean, there's, there's classes, but see which, that, I, which I guess is a good start. No, it is a good start, but that's been one of the problems I think since the beginning of the industry is who do you lean on as an expert? Like who's your, who's the expert in the industry? Um, and I, I asked this question because like, which discipline, you know, is the gatekeeper for the industry too? You know, I was like, is it an engineer? Is it an industrial hygienist? Is it, you know, there's so many different disciplines people come from public health they come from they come from contracting they come from architectural design from that aspect i mean and probably a whole host of other areas that people come from chemistry chemical engineering uh you know microbiology of course you know that that, that's a that's the microbiome is a big factor so i mean but the point is is like who is the qualified individual 
to weigh in on this or, or is it really more of got does it have to be more of a a hybrid you know of like a lot of different disciplines right can you imagine <laughs> but i mean but no, I mean, one it, single it, discipline like you know is a me- know, is a mechanical engineer really qualified to tell you all the indoor environmental issues in a built environment probably not But again, I always go back to the question, who's going to come to my house and fix my problem? Is it Joe Allen? Yay, me. If I could get Joe Allen to come down to my house and do an investigation on what's going on, what's, what's wrong with my house, I am like, I'm like, thumbs up. Yay. This is great. But right, I don't think it's that's ever going to happen. No, no, you know? it's, so it's not going to be. None of, well, none of the none of the researchers. I mean, n- none of them are coming to your house to help you. You know, and so you know, so you know, so what does that mean? That means somebody, you know, some organization, some group has to be the ones that says, "All right, we are the ones that will teach practitioners how to." fix houses right yeah but or like fix workplaces i mean fix schools wait which one you know because they're all individually but the 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 problem is uh, again like as this graphic alludes it's like it's showing it like a a one directional you know transfer of information and knowledge but that's not what it is at all right i mean when you think about it it can't be that way it has to be it has to be um I mean, I see it as almost like a three cog thing, you know, maybe even more, but at the very least, you know, academia and research to practitioners. And we already defined what we, what we're calling practitioners is pretty, everybody does everything or supplies something to the industry. And then you got the consumers who are everybody, whether they're commercial consumers, residential consumers, they're all, everybody is a consumer in some level. Right. So there has to be like some, there, there, I mean, I guess it's a triangle. I mean, there has to be bilateral information sharing because the research people don't even know what's affecting the people down at the end the actual consumers of the services and, and the stuff that's going on necessarily if they well, sit in a laboratory though, right huh i mean well, they're consumers are... but yes but they're by i mean we're all biased i mean there needs to be more and I don't know what the mechanism is. We don't, I don't think we have this mechanism to, to really get the information back and forth. You know, certainly, you know, it's really nice to say you're going to have like a three day conference somewhere in some tropical space and say, that's going to fix all of it, but it's not, you know, and, and because I want to go to Hawaii much... and do this. Let's, let's all go to Hawaii. And do yeah, this. exactly. I know. I'm, and, and again, you know, conceptually that sounds wonderful that you might get at least a group of several hundred people in the industry together to maybe talk and cross pollinate. Great. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing, but there needs to be a lot more than that. Right. I mean, I, I've seen so much good research, you know, to that conference, yeah. you know, I mean, the Healthy yeah. Buildings Conference had some great research and there was yeah, stuff that the research the, the, was done a couple of years ago. I'm in the industry as a practitioner and yeah, as a media that's, person and I wasn't aware of it. But that's the problem. I mean, that's a problem with research. It never filters down into but we're even, like- we're even it, the it, media it, and we didn't even practice. know. Yeah. I mean, on some of this, it was like news to us. Like when the hell did you did this study two years ago? You've been doing this for two years and nobody knows anything about it. And it actually could- you know, substantially affect how people do things, at least in one aspect, and nobody knows well, about it. Well, but that's, you know, 
you know, I don't want to like make a comment because like, because, you know, because, because, you know, because a lot of times what happens is that, you know, like big research actually gets filtered down to like the New York times and to the Washington post. And then it gets filtered to consumers who like have no idea really what, what it really means, Mm. you know, and then they ask their practitioner and then their practitioner doesn't know anything either. And it's like, all right, what just happened here? Well, because the problem is, is there's multiple different languages you got to be speaking here, right? Academia to practitioner is already a language transfer. There's a barrier there, right? You know, and, 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 you know, and and on the research side, you've got, you know, practical research, people that are in the field that do field studies versus people that stay, you know, more in a a laboratory environment and don't see real world. They just do pilot studies, you know, because, right. I mean, people that actually get out in the field and do field work have more of an understanding of what's really happening in the world when they get outside of yeah. their, their university and they actually do something, you know, Yeah. but, but they're still not speaking the same language necessarily. Right. And then, you know, and to distill, to take, really high level white paper, you know, information and even distill it so that practitioners can read it is a challenge. Yes. I mean, just that, that, uh, that whole, uh, indoor chemistry paper, 33 pages from, uh, the, from the study in, uh, Austin. Um, yeah. you know, I, I actually flipped through that after Joe, they spoke about that two weeks ago on Joe uses show. Yeah. Or a couple, couple IQ radio. Yeah. And, and I actually downloaded it. And, yeah. uh, and read through it. And I, I agree, you know, like as a, as a person that's like, you know, maybe an expert practitioner, some of that stuff was way over my head, even, you know, and I, some of the, some yeah. of the, on, on the, on the chemistry side, I was like, Whoa, you know, I was glazing over reading it. So how is that ever going to get down to like the average field technician yeah. or more importantly, down to a consumer and have them understand any of that they're not. So how do yeah. how, how do we, what's the mechanism by which exactly. we transfer information in a way that people can understand it and make it actionable? Yes, that's a whole show. Which goes which goes back to your knowledge base. Mm-hmm. Where's the knowledge base? Who's the gatekeeper? Who's the caretaker of it? Why do I think you want to be like the caretaker? You know what. I, you know what, I always thought that this, that these questions would be already answered for me. I mean, mm-hmm. I never, I never thought that like back in what, 92, I was going to be like, oh, well, this is all just going to get solved. Right. Well, it seems, I mean, in 92 and 93, you know, Henry Waxman and Ken- Kennedy was the other one pushing Kennedy. that, right? Yeah. yeah. They had, they had, uh, you know, so they, they're pushing in Congress iq legislation that seemed like it had some steam it was a lot of it was being driven for the environmental tobacco smoke and the 94 midterm elections you know rug gets yanked out and that's dead meat yeah now kennedy's getting kicked off of um facebook for for other stuff (laughs) um but no you know but i mean but really i mean this is actually i know because i know we're running out of time and stuff no, we can go a little like, over it. You know, I we can have some latitude is, here. Yeah, oh, because it's us, right? Because it's just us. Because who's going to stop us? <laughs> these are like these are just fascinating conversations because, like, you know, because again, I just don't see like you know, you know, and, and again, I mean, this isn't like a like a crystal ball, you know, that you look into and say, okay, you know, the, the answer is going to come to you. This is like literally thirty thousand you know, view stuff, 
that you actually, you know, I mean, like you can look at, you know, the, the whole worldview of like, you know, who's already out there, who has what, you know, who controls who. And, and, you know, you know, and again, I don't see like who can, you know, who, who has the ability to put together this knowledge base and who can like actually, you know, caretake it in a way that, you know, it filters down or that's, it's almost like a, it's almost like a colander effect where, you mm-hmm. know, you know, it just kind of like, it's like water it just kind of sprinkles everywhere. Um, but like who, who, who could do this? I mean, I'm blaming, I'm not volunteering for it. I just, you know, I just yeah. assumed back when I first started that this was going to be done, you know, and now like, you know, and now when I like listen, you know, to like, you know, webinars from the National Academy of Engineers and, you know, I listen to like, you know, um, you know, sessions that, you know, you know, you know what, you know, you know, on um, ISIAC conferences and everything. I'm like, you know, I mean, this is like what, like a hundred years down the road or something, you know, because that's how people yeah. talk that, you know, yeah, like we're not, you know, we're not even close to like having the answers for this. And I'm like, God, this yeah. is like 30 years. See, and I, I, you know, I'm going to call it, bullshit on that. That's lame because you don't have to have all the answers to do, to make, to make, incremental progressive change based on what you know today okay and and that's like the whole you know way you postulate scientific theories in general they they're subject to change they're subject to evolution you know and and i think it's i don't know i i just i i think you know to have inaction because we don't have all the answers i i just i don't buy that i don't buy that you know <laughs> it's like we gotta you gotta evolve this industry and we've already thir- 30 years into this we know a lot yeah. We know enough to make to make positive impact and make change in the indoor environments on all the built environments globally. We could do this. Okay, could we make them perfect? I don't know, probably not. Things no. you know, there'll be new technology. Well, it, but we but, but we but, we already you know we're what? talking it about doesn't... the same shit we were talking about in the 90s and we still haven't done it. The schools had deferred maintenance for the last 30, 35, 40 years. So yeah, nobody's now... fixed their old crappy mechanical equipment that yeah. wasn't any good to begin with. It's all fallen apart. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, don't get me started in schools because, you know, I mean, people, you know, I mean, you know, you know, people get all mad because, you know, you know, because schools want to use like, let's just say ozone to like solve their problems and stuff. You're like, well, do you blame them? They don't, they haven't been educated enough not to like, you know, like choose a wild and crazy idea. Right. 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 Well, I mean, mean, no one's like out there. You know, I well, and again, I mean, you know, I mean, like you talk about the big school associations, they're not out there talking about indoor quality all the time. I mean, it's you know, it's maybe like one session out of like 500. Um, well, I would say that the pandemic, you know, the pandemic drilled us down a little bit, you know, because consumer awareness, right? You know, in, in light of the pandemic we're more attuned to indoor environmental concerns now than we've ever been in our lifetimes. You know, I'm talking, you know, collectively as a nation and as a, as a, a world, you know, I mean, everybody around the world is, is more attuned to ventilation issues and things like that because of the SARS-CoV-2 transmission, of course. But yeah. nonetheless, I mean, at least, you know, it's, it, it's somewhat in the forefront of people's minds. So there is an opportunity to do stuff now. 
And, and we understand, you know, that there's going to be more of these airborne transmitted viruses probably in pandemics. You know, this is not going to, this is not a one-off. I nope. mean, hopefully it's not ha happening on a, you know, a, you know, a semi-annual basis, but it could, you know, and, and the reality well, is we need to build more resilient environments, indoor environments, built environments that can better handle and protect individuals in this. Well, I mean, it's not even over with, yeah, I mean, this yeah, isn't done. done. I mean, like, you know, I mean, one of my best friends just, her whole family just got COVID. I'm like, wow, how did that happen? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, know, I mean, my house, I've, ha I've had it at least twice and I think a third time, but I tested, rapid tested a little late because I had a sinus infection and I think it was happening concurrently. So I think I had it three times. My wife is like typhoid Mary, typhoid Christy. I mean, she's had it at least four times. Yeah. No, I, I mean, like, you and, know, I mean, and we're I mean, vaccinated. My, yeah. No, I mean, like my college kid just, you know, was spent the summer at her college. She just had marching band camp and like and half the band just got COVID. And you're like, wow. I mean, the difference is the outcomes have gotten progressively They're more better. positive. Yeah. Well, well, first of all, the virus has evolved or devolved to the point where it's more contagious and less deadly which is what viruses do. I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, Dr. David Krause was on our show so many times in 2020. You know, it's what's funny is we should go back and play some of Krause's clips because Krause called this right from the beginning in March yeah. of 2020. I mean, he was saying all this stuff being a former public health guy. Like, this is how it's going to go, you know. And yeah. damn, he was right about everything. Almost everything wow. he cited was pretty much on. I got to do a mashup of Dave Krause. Famous, that would actually, uh, that would actually be quotes. just a great show to like. Yeah, just you know, David Krause. Yeah, quotes. you know, like David Krause over the last I should bring him on and play clips years. of David Krause yeah. to him and make him watch himself. He'll be like so embarrassed. He'd oh, be like, he, would, oh. He, he, would, he wouldn't do it. I don't think I could twist his arm to do that. Oh, well, we, we are getting to that that time point. Yeah. We haven't solved any of any of the these monumental issues. What we have done, though, is um, brought them up. This always, has to be. I think this needs fun. to be a, a a more frequent recurring segment that we do this kind of thing. Maybe not every month, but every couple months, we should do a show like this, or just do a bonus show. Do just do an extra one. Yeah, or do an after all show. Just what we need is another. We need another program to produce here. Um. Well, well, but actually, before we go, we should actually like we should actually name all the things that are happening on September eighth. So I think it's fascinating. Oh, okay. Um, so bring I'm up down the with that. Okay. Well, um, first off, the, the Johns Hopkins. John Hopkins is having a uh, national, like one day national conference on um, putting together a strategy in order to improve indoor air quality. Um, and if you, and it's free for, it's in DC. If you, um, if you need to, um, to register, I think, I think you have to register before September 1st. So if you need, if you need an invite, um, I have them. So, you know, send me a, uh, send me a message and I will, we, uh, and we could pop, we'll put that up on the community yeah. too. We'll put, we'll push that out as, uh, up on the community and up on healthyindoors.com. That'll help a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, also um, the, um, the experience, the experience, big show, big show happening in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, on on September eighth, and then also Bob, you're gonna go hang out with uh, Corbett, Corbett and, and Grace Lunsford. Grace. Yeah, 
Yeah, the, ho the host of the PBS show uh, Home Diagnosis. They're uh, shooting, they're in the process of filming their third season, and they are doing a live, uh, like, town hall event at Cornell University in Ithaca, New York, on the 8th as well. Um, so, yeah, we'll be there uh, hanging, hanging with them. Um, and uh, so th that should be pretty interesting. Uh, what There was one other, there's one other event going on that week, too. Um, it's not just the week of Labor Day, but it, it, it's crazy. Yeah, and, and I think what's safe to say, you know, I, I alluded earlier that uh, traffic to events has been down and it has been. HR, a lot of these events have really, really had, you know, pretty sizable uh, uh, reduction in the, the standard attendance that they had prior to the pandemic. But I will say the experience uh, last year's event was huge, right? And, and I anticipate it's going to be huge again. Um, yeah. They they just seem to uh, be able to get a lot of people there, and they do a lot of innovative stuff. So it's uh, it's it's definitely uh, you know on the restoration disaster side of the industry, and uh, it, it's huge. And it, it's in Vegas, which is not a bad idea to put an event in Vegas. I've always in said September. That. In September, there's a couple too. good reasons to do it there. Well, I mean Vegas. I, I, Back when I was on or in organizations helping plan for conferences, you know, I, I was always like, go to Vegas. People want to go to Vegas. It's not hard to, to draw people there. No, but it's, you know, but it, it's also like fun to go to Orlando and Austin. And or, or these are, you know what? Oddly enough, these are places DC. that you bring conferences. You know, as, as you mentioned, these things. Yeah, you know, it's, you said Orlando and you said Austin. You pretty much named all the places where you ran a lot of events over the years. God, like we ran them like everywhere. Well, I know, uh, I know, but, so, but I, mean, so, I mean, but some yeah, of your favorite. I mean, you ran a lot of Vegas and a lot of, and you definitely did Austin several times. Well, Baltimore, yeah. I, you know what? You're right. Everywhere, everywhere is a good place. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. We we should do another show, like like in December or January, you know, and like and do like a like a pre-conference year Ooh, show. The pre-conference show. Yeah, as opposed to just doing one where we just like hawk one conference for. 60 oh no, minutes. no! Like we should we we should spend sixty minutes talking about like all we could just shows talk about them. Yeah. yeah, rather than bring rather than bring their talking heads on. I like that idea. Um. Well, you know, so we're, I guess we are at that time now, right? Yes, I, you know, it's, it's uh, for what it's worth. Um. So we are going to have to move towards the uh, the sign off time, but I, I really want to point out, um, you know that. This was a little bit different, you know, a little different format than normal this week, uh, because we we just at you know working on the publications, you know, it became blatantly apparent that there we're at a volatile time, I think, in this industry right now, and there's there's a lot of just you know a lot of movement, a lot of people vying for position, you know, who will be the next leader in the industry, at least purportedly, uh, you know, all these things are out there. Uh, so a lot going on, and I think a lot more to talk about before we're done. Uh, Want to definitely, um, you know, remind you all about the uh, online global community. Um, if you're not a member of it, you know, it's, uh, you get to it at global.healthyindoors.com. Again, this show and a lot of the stuff's in public space there. But um, if you were to uh, actually became, become a member of the of the uh, community, which I thoroughly implore you to do, you're going to have the opportunity to see, uh, you know, even this week participate or excuse, next week participate in the Ask Me Anything event with uh, Cole Stanton. That's going to be a great forum. You know, it's opportunity to actually sit there and uh, ask questions um, and uh, in, in real time or, you know, have recorded questions. Um, 
so that's that's a good thing. I'd also like to uh, thank our sponsor for this uh, episode, Particles Plus, and we've got a little uh, blurb. <laughs> At uh, Particles Plus, we offer cost-effective instruments for superior indoor and outdoor environmental awareness. We measure fine and coarse particles accurately from 0.3 to 25 microns because our core technology is based on calibration standards and repeatability. Our in instruments measure mass concentrations, PM 2.5 and PM 10, but most importantly, we measure the size distribution of the particles by providing up to 30 channels. Get a free quote today at ParticlesPlus.com. And I can honestly say, you know, give the testimonial here. We use Particles Plus. I'm an indoor environmental consultant. Been using their hardware for, what, six, seven years now? Uh, love it. And I've been using particle counters since my early days in the early 90s. Uh, and uh, great equipment, great hardware. So there we go. So uh, special thanks to uh, Susan for uh, Susan Valenti for joining us today. Um, it, it was interesting. Are you muted? Thank you for having me, Bob. You know, of course. <laughs> so uh, with that, uh, everybody, thanks so very much for uh, joining us. We'll be back again uh, next week. 1 to 2 p.m., uh, Derek Denae will be uh, talking with us um, on some really interesting stuff, actually. Um, he's He's been somebody that's been involved in the industry. Served Was he president of IAQA at one point? He was uh, vice president. Vice he was on the board a long time. And, uh, you know, but he's involved with some new technology uh, that will be kind of interesting to speak about. So we're looking forward to that. And, of course, uh, you know, the online global community, uh, you know. again uh next week and uh, until that time i'm bob Krell, founder and publisher of healthy indoors thanks for joining us we'll see you again soon <laughs>